Guru Nation, thank you for checking out another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. If this is your first time here, or maybe not, I appreciate it. Like, subscribe, leave a review. I really appreciate it. I wanted to get my sponsors out of the way. The first one is my DSCS site network. We help sites get studies, help them do their budgets, help them with SOPs, a shoulder to cry on, anything you can think of. We help sites across the country do. The more sites in our network, the easier it is for us to get studies and from sponsors and CROs directly. If you're interested, check out the link in the show notes, a low monthly subscription fee. That's my company. Also, CRA Academy. If you're interested in learning how to become a CRA, check out the CRA Academy. The only program out there with a real internship opportunity through my CRO for all graduates of the Academy. Also, CRC Academy, same thing, but for coordinators with real internship opportunities. And now I wanted to get to my sponsors who help make this show consistently available to you and well-produced. First one is Viva Site Vault. Links in the show notes. Free electronic investigator site file. Free digital signatures. Free delegation of authorities log, all digital, go paperless. It's completely free. If you ever wanted to try going digital, at least for the investigator site file, check out Viva, link in the show notes. Next is Versatrial. It keeps your study portals organized. It's collaborative. So all staff at your site can get access and use it. We have 12 15 links sometimes per study to different portals. This keeps everything in one place. It keeps all your passwords. So it's just one click. And it also has an amazing feasibility tool to help you do feasibility surveys a lot quicker and a lot more efficiently for free. Next sponsor is Creo. This is the only one that's not free, but I think it's well worth it. It's eSource, it's eReg, it's CTMS, it's patient recruitment, it's patient payments. And you don't need to try all those things at once. You pay for what you need, but it is amazing. Once you start using it, most likely for the e-source, you're gonna want the CTMS. You're gonna want the automatic invoicing. So when you click on your e-source, dry ice was used for a lab, it will automatically send the invoice to the sponsor for the dry ice, saves you time. Countless things like this in Creo, amazing tool, check it out. Next sponsor is Inato for experienced sites. If you wanna get studies for free, Inato's the way to go. I just got my first study recently through Inato. It did take a few studies for me to filter through, but Inato actually does a really good job of making sure that it's a study that you actually wanna take. And they even do one-on-one -on -one Zoom calls with you and your PI or whomever from the site wants to join to see if a study is the right fit for you. And it's absolutely free. They get nothing out of it. I think the sponsors pay them on the back end. And it's amazing. So check it out. Inato, link underneath in the show notes, free. Finally, my last sponsor, 1N Health. This is a central patient recruitment vendor. They currently do not work with sites. But if you're a sponsor or a CRO, they are the best. I've used all of them. I've been doing this for 17 years plus. They are the best leads, the best interface for coordinators. You can text patients directly from the portal. 
they literally saved one of my studies recently, both at my site. We were just screen failing patients left and right until we finally used one end health and we got ourselves a respectable randomization number all through one end health. And they also did this entire study wide sponsor was able to end enrollment successfully because of them. I've never used, I've never been a fan of central patient recruitment vendors. This is the best one. Check them all out. Links in the show notes. With that being said, enjoy the show. Guru Nation, thank you so much for watching. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, share. Really means a lot to me. Look, training new staff. I'm in the middle of it right now with Yuma Clinical Trials. I give them all a copy of my book, The Two New Girls. So I lost two coordinators, two experienced coordinators in a month. Okay, the first coordinator I lost... She literally came in with no research experience. I trained her. She moved to Phoenix. The second one that came in, she did have research experience, but I still trained her on small site operations, which is very different from academic medical center. Shout out to Daisy. Well, she got an offer she couldn't refuse. University of Arizona, shout out to them. At least it's my alma mater bared down. But I, it, I had to scramble. We had The team had to scramble because we were left with Katie, who's the experience coordinator, but there's no way Katie and me could run this all on our own at this point. We've scaled up to where we've gotten studies and that's a good thing. And we've gotten the patients for them, which is a good thing. But now we needed the people to actually work on the studies. They left. So this is a perfect video for like site owners. Never assume that just because things are going good for you, that they're going to stay that way, whether it's a downturn in the market. So you're going to start losing studies. We saw that during the Great Recession. Right now, it's September 2023. There's like hints of a recession. There's more than hints now. There's going to be a recession. But it looks like our industry is safe. Our industry is somewhat protected, uh, especially at the small site level. Um, we've got like a wave of like GLP-1 weight loss studies and um, atopic dermatitis is hot and also psychiatry is hot. So let's see how long that lasts. I'm not predicting a downturn in studies, but always expect like things are not always going to stay the same. But a lot of you guys and gals that are site owners, you assume that the hardest part's getting the studies. And that's really not. That might be the hardest part initially, but the hardest part really is developing talent and keeping talent and there's no way around it the small site level we are the minor leagues for research like we whether you like it or not whether you try to fight it or not if you take people that are entry level and you give them experience you're essentially taking an input of a raw ingredient and turning it into an output of a seasoned clinical research professional. There's no other way around it. And then the small sites, we can't necessarily afford to compete with CRO salaries, sponsor salaries, academic medical center salaries, sites backed by venture capital salaries. So we're a revolving door for the industry. And you know what? I've, I've come to accept this. And I've come to... Um, just expect it as well.
And that doesn't mean every employee that's going to come in is going to leave. A lot of them want to stay because we offer, so at the small site level, we do offer some things that the bigger places don't, which is flexibility of schedule, the feeling like we don't have SOPs for everything, like how to send an email or what to post on social media or uh, like all these crazy things that they have at the academic medical centers or CROs where they have rules for everything. We didn't really have that. We have our basic SOPs, like make sure you follow the protocol. This is how we operate our, in our operations. But otherwise, freedom, flexibility. Hey, you want to flex schedule? Fine. You want to leave early certain days? Fine. You want to take a week off? Fine. Like these are what we have to compete. But at the end of the day, if someone's doubling your employee's salary, more often than not, that person's going to take it. And so you've got to constantly be searching for talent, meaning raw raw ingredients. So hire for uh, attitude and then train skills. One of the things I've learned over the years I've been doing this, I've been running research sites since 2005. Hire for attitude. As long as you follow that rule, and it's hard to tell because sometimes people interview well, they have the right attitude. And then you start noticing who they really are. I would say the the next mistake I made besides not hiring for attitude is not firing as soon as you saw the first signs of like a bad attitude. And that's probably a mistake I made more often than disobeying my first rule of hiring for attitude. So with all that being said, you've got to, even when you think you don't need staff, you need staff. I call it having a farm system, like to use the minor league to major league analogy. Every major league team has a farm system. So these are positions that you create for people that you may not have room on your payroll for them, but they may have the ambition to want to do research they may also have the potential so you can make a job for them like patient recruiter or research assistant and or just intern and say, look, just volunteer. In three months, I'm expecting to get this study and this study. And if we do get them, you're hired if we like the way you volunteer, if we like the way you intern. So that's the way to go about doing that and keeping talent, developing talent and having a farm system. So let's say you actually get your first employee or or your your new employee you're gonna have to train them you can't just throw them into a study especially if it's in the middle of a study and say hey have at it here's our sops here's the protocol go get them cowboy like that's not how it works you're setting them up for failure you're setting them up for them to quit and you're setting yourself up for failure so i do not want to get back involved in the trenches of being a coordinator, but I at Yuma Clinical Trials have no choice at the moment. So I'm in the middle of doing studies. I, I have one study. Luckily for me, Katie's managing the other studies on her own and also doing the same thing I'm doing with our two new staff members so that she can open up her time for higher value things, right? And then until these coordinators get trained and then the new people come in and the cycle repeats because once you have an experienced coordinator and by experienced, I mean nine to 12 months or more of experience, like real experience under their belt. Once you have that person, 
you can then just outsource studies to them. Like, hey, I think someone like that can handle like two or three, maybe even four or five studies with the right support system. But to get them to that point is not an autopilot thing. It's not a passive thing. So what I'm doing is from day one, the first thing I do, okay, do GCP, do your IATA. This is why I tell you people watching, if you want a site to give you a chance, have those two things done already. Go into the interview and say, I already have a good clinical practice and IATA done. I'm that determined to want to do this. By the way, to this day, I have zero people that applied that have those two things. Uh, so that's a huge advantage for you if you do. But back to the topic. GCP IATA, get that out of the way. Then our SOP, get that out of the way. Then in our case, we use Creo as our main engine for everything. E-source, E-reg, CTMS, the subject database. Learn the ins and outs of Creo. And this is where they have to be tech savvy so not just the right attitude but basic tech understanding which i think most people have these days but every now and then there's people that don't do not get it and you don't want someone like that if you're relying on tech systems to power your site so once like that kind of admin stuff's out of the way of course getting them on payroll and all that having them shadow you on visits so before they can do that, you got to get them on the delegation log and the training log for that study. Then you tell your monitor, every all the portals that I have access to, these two people are going to need access to, mainly EDC, IRT, and whatever other portals, IRB, whatever other portals that are out there. They need to have access to these things. It's going to take a few weeks for them to do the trainings for those portals and to get access to actually get access to everything. But as long as they're on the delegation log and the training log, you can start having them shadow you. And when I say shadow, I really mean they get in there and they actually do a patient visit with you. So uh, Lana, who's the first of the two new staff that we hired, her first day, we had three patient visits that day. And I was glad. And it was all for different studies. So we had her on the training log and DOA log for all that stuff. Hey, you shadow me. You shadow Katie. Watch what we do. And then we tell the patient, hey, we're training Lana. Meet Lana. Um, I hope you don't mind. She shadows us today. So I'm going to be interrupting what we're doing in order to train them. You, you want to ideally do this on someone who's not new to your site. Like hopefully it's an ongoing visit. But I actually had... One situation where it was a screening visit and it was a new patient, but the patient was totally cool with it because that visit happened to be virtual. So the patient was like, yeah, that's fine. So I interrupt what I'm doing with the patient to explain to the staff. This is what I just did. We can't do anything until the informed consent's done. So while the patient's reading the informed consent and I'm going through the process of informed consent, I'm telling the staff member, hey, this is a process of consent. This is how I want it to be in the source. You need to have the documentation for this process of consent. What is that? Let me tell you what it is. And I'll tell them like live as we're doing it. And then I always tell them we have the 
SOP later. You can go read it to keep, like refresh your memory. And also as a sidebar, I want to say that all of our staff at Yuma Clinical Trials get enrolled in the CRC Academy for free. They don't pay for it. Um, we have group deals for sites out there. If you're interested and want to get your staff into the CRC Academy, let me know. We'll give you a group deal. And if you're someone just watching that hopes to get uh, in the industry, the CRC Academy, shameless plug, it's underneath. So we, we have training. We, we developed the CRC Academy to onboard new staff, not just for you, McClendon Trails, but for all of the sites that we own and operate. So we think it's that important for sites to be able to do this. So shadow means not just sitting there and like watching what's going on, but me stopping what I'm doing to explain what, what I'm doing as we're doing it. Then we get the patient out of there. So I'm teaching them patient centricity. Hey, we want to get the patient in and out as quickly as possible. I was very not happy because that's not a, I'm not, I'm never happy when a patient gets an adverse event. But I'm, I was glad the patient actually reported on my new study coordinator's first day an adverse event. She had, I believe it was increased irritability um, that was new. And so I paused and I told the coordinator, okay, this is an adverse event. And then I also explained to the coordinator, thank you for <clears throat> sharing what that is with us because this is important for us to document it for the study because these are how we get side effects potentially for new therapeutics. And so I was educating the patient and the new staff at the same time. And then, of course, when patient left and the visit was over, we went back to the AE adverse event and we looked into it. And then we talked to our PI. Does the P, what does the PI think about the irritability? Yes, the PI thought it was potentially due to the study drug because the study drug had just been started previously. And no, the PI does not recommend stopping the treatment or any uh, rescue meds. And neither did the patient want to do either of those two things. So it was really good to like explain. But if this wouldn't have happened, I, can't, I could not have ever simulated this in the wild like this would just not come up so it's really good to actually do like a real shadowing with with the site director or maybe a more seasoned crc in order to train the new staff and shout out to katie who's been who is my trained crc for over a year that she's taking the new staff under her wings too and i told katie i said look it's of course it's easier for you to do a visit quickly without stopping to explain but it's in your interest to do this too because now they can help you enter data answer queries do a visit for you so that you can then use your time to do other things and we can all grow together this way everyone benefits doing that so it's harder and takes more time to train staff the right way than it is to just throw the sops at them throw gcp at them throw the protocol at them, throw all the ECRF completion guidelines at them, throw the lab manual at them and say, hey, figure it out. That's how I started. That I had no mentor. That was how I started. But I knew and I know there's a better way to do it. So for those of you watching right now that are running sites, don't take this for granted. You're, you're always understaffed, right? Even if you feel like you're overstaffed, it's only a matter of time before you're understaffed. And um, overstaff is when you start losing studies. 
And that's because market forces are dictating, hey, you know what? There's a decrease in the supply of studies. We're not in that period right now. Usually research has a safety net. You can kind of see it coming beforehand, although the Great Recession in 2008 was a little bit different. That happened quickly. This recession, whatever we're about to go into right now in 2023, we've seen this coming for a while. People are more prepared for this. I think it's going to be okay, at least for clinical research, just because of all the backlog from COVID that's still there and all the innovation and all those things there. So those things I train right away, the documentation, the patient visits, how to be patient-centric, informed consent, adverse events, the data entry. On the second day, we started answering queries with the new staff. And we just went through every query. I didn't single out the simple ones from the complicated ones. We went through it. 80% of them were simple. This should be a three instead of a two. So I told them, I showed them how, look, look at the lab results. This is how you confirm. Some of them were difficult. Then those were teachable moments as far as like, let's look at the protocol and see what this actually means and what we can do. Oh, it looks like that's a deviation. Let's fill out the deviation log and let's do another training log for us. And so I'm showing them in real time how all this stuff works. And there's no substitute for doing that. So that's, we took care of patient interactions, source documentation, informed consent, and regulatory all in like two days. And this is like real time, real time stuff. And then I got them to email monitors after I introduced them. I tell them, hey, email the monitor. You still don't have access to this. Let them know. Follow up with them. You don't know how to do a certain thing in the EREG system. Follow up. Uh, there's a study where we have to use an, an EREG system. Follow up with them. So now they're figuring it out. Tomorrow, we have two screening visits for the new this new study that I'm training them on. I told them, you need to be prepared to figure out how to do the EPROs. They both have accounts now. They both have the ePro manual. I've done it already, so they've seen me do it. They're going to do it tomorrow. Now, I will be there because we don't want the patient to get frustrated that new staff doesn't know what they're doing. I will be there with them, but they're going to do it, and they will document what they're doing when the patient's done in Creo, in the progress note, and they will do the consent, and they will do almost everything. And I told them, be prepared. So this is how you train new staff. The hard work does not end after you get your first studies. You're not on autopilot after you start getting studies. Because right now with Yuma Clinical Trials, we're two years into this thing. We have no problem getting studies. We have no problem getting patients for the studies either. We have no problem getting community clinicians interested in joining us. Our problem is... The staff, we got to keep the staff because the industry is still hot at the site level and there is turnover still. So get them up to speed, figure out retention strategies that work. I'm working on that internally with the team. How do we keep the staff longer? One year is not necessarily good uh, as far as like keeping a coordinator. Like that's not, that's basically been our average so far and that's not a good thing. We need to 
try to move that up to two years? What could we do better? A lot of the things are out of our control, right? If you're going to double someone's salary and we can't, I mean, that's a pretty hard line in the sand. But there are things I think that we can improve on that we are working internally on doing. But don't ignore training the staff. And then also, this applies for the investigators as well. Just because you have a PI doesn't mean you shouldn't be looking for sub-investigators, other MDs, nurse practitioners to groom as sub-eyes to become PIs. And then also looking for specialists. And also, when you're able to handle more work, look for more studies. So, very important operations-wise. Uh, I think you can get a fully trained coordinator in three to six months. I think if you get lucky with the right ones, it could be shorter. I think in this case, knock on wood, where is wood? Right here behind this book. I think we got lucky with these two so far. But And I'm in a vlog and you guys can see as well. Uh, like, subscribe, comment, share. Catch you guys later. Bye-bye.